0: As the United States draws troops from Afghanistan and Iraq, a source of injury and death will cease, but research by the Veterans' Health Administration will continue. Now, two years ago, we checked in with one of the VA's top researchers into brain injury and neuropathology. Returning for an update: The chief of neuropathology at the VA. Boston Healthcare System, Dr. Ann McKee, and good to have you back.
1: Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And I think of you as the brain slice library lady, which is kind of an odd way to put it, but you are known for the samples and the pathological pieces of brain that you keep and learn from. What has been some of the latest findings?
1: Well, the war in Afghanistan might be ending, but the veterans and the other individuals who are exposed to these repetitive concussive events, the repetitive blast exposures, that problem doesn't go away. There are over 300,000 that were exposed and they continue to live with some difficulties. And our research, I am the brain donor lady. I run a big brain bank on trauma. Over 1,100 brains are in that bank. Uh, And we've only been doing that for the last 13 years. But we also run the ALS and PTSD brain bank. So, yes, I do see a lot of brains. And what we've learned from those is that there's injuries after those exposures, and they're not all the same. Veterans are, are different, and I don't need to tell you that, but, you know, a lot of them play sports, football, hockey. And that makes them at risk for chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which we clearly see in some of the veterans who've been exposed to blast or concussive injury. And rarely we see a CTE in people that have not been both athletes and military service people. So it's much less common if they weren't an athlete of some sort. But we do see CTE, uh, the disease that we've described. So I think clearly in football players, we do see that in military veterans too. But almost all of them have some sports history. It doesn't have to be a lot, but most of them have a dual exposure. We're continuing to try to understand those symptoms that become so disabling in the vets, the sleep disorder, the depression The anxiety, the changes in their behavior and personality, those are such difficult issues, difficult for them, difficult for their loved ones. Those are multifactorial, and they're hard to pinpoint. We still don't have a good way to diagnose them during life, how to pick up the real issue at hand for each person, but we're getting closer. We get closer every day, so the work continues.
0: And is it possible to know whether if someone has a brain injury of this severity, once that occurs? Now, we know that there is a cumulative effect if you keep getting hit, for example, or keep getting a blast shockwave. But once those events are over, does the brain stay in a given state or does it continue to possibly deteriorate?
1: that's the thing. Sometimes it stabilizes, which is awesome, or and even improves. So the person is learning adaptive neural mechanisms, you know, different brain pathways to overcome the injury, or they're repairing the injury because the brain is capable of a certain degree of repair. But unfortunately, some individuals continue to progress. And those are the individuals that we really need to keep a close eye on, because they become so despondent. They feel like no one can validate what they're experiencing. They're experiencing things that are difficult to diagnose. We don't have a great way to detect brain injury, except with a multitude of research techniques. And then, you know, they are at risk because these guys develop suicidal thoughts, this disabling depression, terrific anxiety, sleep disorder, substance use because, you know, they're trying to cope as best they can. Those are the guys we really need to keep in our care system, evaluate, and really, you know, as best as the medical system can, you know, hug them and keep them feeling as well as possible.
0: We're speaking with Dr. Ann McKee, Chief of Neuropathology at the VA Boston Healthcare System. And speaking of giving people the high-touch type of treatment and the hug and so on, I imagine the last year and a half of separation among people has really been tough on that particular population.
1: Oh, absolutely. Feelings of isolation, feelings of I'm the only one in the universe that's going through this. There's something deeply wrong with me. You know, it's it just exacerbates all of these issues. So the person thinks they're somehow responsible for these issues. And that can't be further from the truth. They are all valiant warriors, you know, dealing with a brain injury, it takes a tremendous amount of perseverance tremendous resilience and just sort of your coping to really try to get through these dark days. And it's not easy. And we don't have great answers, but we keep pushing the envelope. I think we're a lot further along than we were six years ago. Six years ago, we'd know nothing. Now we have a better idea, but we still don't have great treatments. In the next six years, I'm hoping that we have treatments.
0: And do you have a system for reviewing, say, a Sample that you might have put in the library, as you mentioned, 13 years ago or 10 years ago. And do you ever go back to them and take a fresh look based on some new learnings that might have come in from a a new case?
1: Absolutely. We don't throw anything away. We keep everything in what we can consider the optimal condition. Every brain is very, very precious to us. We, of course, maintain a very high level of privacy. No one's private information is released, but uh, we use those brains uh, continually. We never stop. We keep going back. The science advances by individuals, you know, highly qualified individuals all over the world, certainly all over the country studying these disorders from all their different points of expertise. And yes, we go back constantly. And and every brain, I just want to emphasize, is treated with such, you know, the utmost care uh, and, and consideration.
0: And what is the process to convince someone that is perhaps in distress and also perhaps at the end of their life? It's a difficult ask, I imagine, to donate that organ When they're gone, because it does raise the question that, yes, you're going to die eventually and perhaps not in happy circumstances. How do you go about that? How do you convince people in a humane way that this is really something that's helpful to those that come after
1: Well, you know, if someone has a suspicion, if they have a chronic condition, they realize the end is near, the ask is different. But in every case, this is a way to give back, to advance the science, advance knowledge, so that your fellow service people can hopefully uh, reduce their suffering in the future. This is a way to help your colleagues, your peers, the people that were with you on all these tours and are suffering some of the same symptoms we may not have been quick enough to help you but this is a way that you can help them I think that resonates with a great deal of uh, military service people there's a great esprit de corps there's comradeship that feeling of helping those who come after is really part of the psyche I think of most veterans
0: and you get the sense that the military has become more receptive to the idea of preventing brain injury in training and in exercises outside of combat.
1: I think they have, but it, you know, we have a long way to go because their goal is, you know, to produce the most valiant uh, warrior. But at the same time, they need to protect the most precious organ in your body, which is your brain. Which. Your brain actually is responsible for for your identity, uh, who you think of as yourself. It's your way of thinking, your memory, your emotions, your personality. It is such a precious thing. And I think, you know, it's slowly where uh, uh, organizations like the military, like major sports leagues are adopting safer policies. But it's a long, long haul because in the short run, it's difficult for them.
0: Well, I think some of the sports leagues look at the dollar signs before they look at the human side, and that's a pretty hard culture to crack.
1: I'd say you're absolutely right and unfortunate because the athlete and the military personnel, they're, they're our most precious commodity. Those sports wouldn't be so popular if the athletes themselves weren't so gifted, and certainly our military can't run without incredible people. So I just want to keep the people, the importance of that that human being alive for these major entities.
0: Dr. Ann McKee is Chief of Neuropathology at the VA Boston Healthcare System. As always, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and
2: welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA.